Hello, welcome back to the Strong Today, Stronger Tomorrow podcast. It is December the 3rd, everything's feeling festive, it's really exciting, we put the tree up at the weekend, um, which looks quite pathetic to be honest because it is very small, <laughs> but it feels, it feels a little bit festive, the lights are on. I seem to have an excess of robin themed decorations and I think it's because my mum buys me something like so we've got these little robins look realistic and then we've got these other like bright pink robins that have like glittery which sounds awful but they are quite cute and I think my mum just buys me them all the time and she forgets that like every year she buys me some kind of like robin themed decoration for the Christmas tree very strange backstory she I think she's just really fascinated by like birds in a festive sense because ever since I was a child like my whole childhood living at home ages zero to 17 that wasn't even that age 16 I guess we had a pheasant at the top of the Christmas tree so it was like this little model pheasant that was like, you know how you get, I don't know if I'm describing it right, it feels like it's maybe polystyrene that's holding it together. Then there's little feathers stuck on it and then like features painted on. And it had like little wire around its feet so you could like attach it to the top of the tree. Oh my god, that just sounds so like country bumpkin kind of situation, doesn't it? So yeah, we had a pheasant on top of the tree and now I have put a robin on top of the tree here. But Jack's not very happy about it and he wants to swap it for something else. So I think the, the tradition dies here. But um, so yeah, <laughs> that's my festive news from this week. Um, I kind of, I had this podcast planned from before and I kind of had second thoughts about, oh, do I really want to do this in the lead up to Christmas? Because um, this, this podcast I'm going to do is about um, reasons why you feel your fat loss diet isn't working for you. And I'm very much an advocate of not forcing yourself to diet at this time of year, in that if you really want to and it's really important to you to do that and it aligns with everything that you're striving for in life and your values, then absolutely do it. What I don't agree with is you trying to diet but ultimately you don't want to miss out on anything, you want to relax and then it's frustrating because you let your hair down because you want to because you want to enjoy it and then you don't make progress with your diet and you're frustrated that you're having fun but actually you're having fun, do you see what I mean? You need to decide whether or not it is a go or a put it on hold, I'm not saying stop or revert or anything, it's either yes we continue with this journey or we actually in December we're just going to go at around maintenance, I don't mind putting on a couple of pounds around here because it's important for me to spend time with family, all that kind of jazz. It's up to you to make that decision, but you need to stick to it. Whatever you decide, doing it from a place that feels right for you um, and a place of empowerment from you. But ultimately I thought, it's not that this podcast is only ever going to be listened to in this week, it could be listened to whenever, so it's going to be useful for someone at some point in their journey. Even if December you're putting the diet on hold, perhaps, this is a good few things to bear in mind. If you are going into the new year and deciding that you're wanting to enter into a dieting phase for whatever reason, um, again, I'm not the kind of person to advocate putting things off till the new year, but mm, I'm just gonna do this anyway. So, 
Today's episode is 10 reasons why your fat loss diet is failing you. So perhaps you have either tried a fat loss diet before in the past and it's you haven't gotten results from it. Perhaps you're on a fat loss diet at the moment and nothing's really happening. Here are 10 things for you to consider that might be the reason you're not seeing progress. So let's start with number one. And number one is the diet you're trying to follow is too restrictive. So are you, and I hope that in 2021, not as many people are doing this, but I guarantee there will be some people who do this, is does your diet look like just salad? Does it look like no carbs? Does it just look like plain, boring, meh? Only like diet versions of food and there's just no joy in any of your meals. That's the extreme of it. Have you decided to go into a diet and say, I am this diet, the diet I'm doing is I'm just not going to eat sugar. That in itself is gonna feel restrictive as well. And we've spoken about this on the podcast before that the more you restrict something, the more it has that big red button approach on a psychological level and therefore you're more likely to overeat on that thing when you do eat it. And on the point, if you're just too restricted and it's too low calorie a diet, you will genuinely just feel hungry. And then when you do decide to eat more for whatever reason that is, whether you're going out for dinner or whether you do just get to the point where you are starving and you just feel like you need to eat because you're really weak and hungry, the chances are you're gonna overeat. And then you're gonna feel that guilt feeling and then you're gonna over restrict again come Monday morning into the week. And it's that well-known cycle of being quote-unquote good Monday to Thursday. And remember using the word good as part of the problem as to why this happens. And then over the weekend, just throwing the shit at the fan and it all just kind of goes tits up. So number one, is your diet too restricted? And how we overcome this is ensuring that you are still including things in your diet every single day that bring you joy or even if it's a case of through the week you don't actually feel like you need cake or you need a croissant from the bakery but allowing yourself to say you know what on the weekend I enjoy time with my partner maybe we go out for a walk maybe we have a nice lazy Saturday morning and in those times I'm going to enjoy that pan au chocolat and that milky coffee even more because I'm of the people I'm with and I don't feel like I'm over restricting myself through the week because I know I'm going to have it the weekend it's going to make me feel really good and I'm going to really appreciate it and enjoy it. So if you are ever feeling in your diet that you just feel restricted and that causes feelings of anxiety, it causes feelings of guilt when you do overeat, you need to kind of change, um, change your tactic, include more foods that you do enjoy and be aware of that dichotomous thinking around food, you know, good and bad and things like that. Number two is you have underestimated the amount of calories you need to cut down on. So this is one that I feel when I first started coaching, I was very worried about giving people lower calories and I'm meaning, I mean not even low, I'm meaning like sub 1800. I was slightly afraid to do that because I didn't want people to be hungry or to develop 
bad eating habits or have a poor relationship with food. And I think this came from a place of, I remember when I was in uni, I would diet on 1800 calories. And it probably wasn't even that because I was having dominoes every weekend as well. But I, I was so active, so, so active that that was like a great number for me and I could lose body fat on that. But ultimately, not everyone can. And you may do, and you may do it at a very slow rate, or it may be that it doesn't give you much leeway, because I'm very much a case of, if you have an event at the weekend, you're going out with friends, like I want you to order what you fancy. If it's just, you know, a few times a month, I don't want you to go out and be choosing like just the salad option. I want you to have what you can have. But if your deficit is too small through the week, that kind of slight surplus that you might have on those days could kind of take you out of your deficit and could put you more around maintenance. So obviously everyone is so individual and it depends on how much you move, it depends on how much you weigh, it depends on your age, all sorts of things. But, and I don't want everyone to suddenly be on, if you're already on like 1200 calories, your move is not to drop your calories even further. That's not the option I would take. If you're sitting around 17, 1800, and I'm saying this as probably whoever's listening, like a woman, a female, in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s to be honest as well. If you're trying to eat at a deficit of around 17 to 1800 and you haven't seen much change, it might be worth bringing that down a little bit lower to around 16, maybe even 1550, maybe even 1500, um, and sticking with that. And that kind of, A, brings the deficit down overall, B, allows a little bit more leeway when there are social occasions that crop up. And C, it gets you out of a dieting phase a little bit quicker so you can go back up to maintenance. Because the goal isn't to stick at, at your deficit calories forever. The goal is to get back up to maintenance as soon as you've hit that point that you want to hit. So bringing it down just a tad could help progress things forward. But that's not always the first port of call. And I put a post on my Instagram about that the other day. And as I say, especially if you're already at the lower end of the spectrum, I'm talking, you know, under 1500 or so, consider some other options before you do that. And number three kind of ties into that, in that you aren't moving enough. People really underplay the importance of your non-exercise activity. So that looks like your steps, that looks like just fidgeting around, cleaning the house, all that sort of thing. And this is something that, has been a massive change for people during the pandemic in that, like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say that person, be that coach that's like, ooh, people gained weight during the pandemic. But realistically, every single consultation I've had this year, they've mentioned that they've put on a couple extra pounds or since the pandemic, they just don't feel as in shape. So it's the reality and I'm not gonna avoid it. Um, and ultimately, it's because people aren't moving as much. They don't have a commute. They're not going to the office anymore. Maybe they're working from home. I've had some people who literally move about 500 steps a day, which is very, very low. And to put it into like perspective again, it's like when people say, oh, like when you get older, it's so much harder to lose weight. Or when you get older, you just naturally put on weight. Just, just It's just an age thing. It's just what happens. When realistically... Probably in your older years, you drive a lot more. 
you're not doing like sports like you were as a kid, you're not even like going out dancing all night on a Saturday night with your friends and things like that. You are just moving less. So unless you are someone who is already exercising like four or five times a week, doing upwards of 12,000 steps a day, you are probably moving enough. You're moving enough. Yes, you could maybe bump your steps up to 13,000. Maybe you could do an extra little bit of cardio, but the actual effect that that would have in terms of the amount of energy that you use up compared to the increased hunger it might give you as well is probably not the answer either. So if you are at the top end of that spectrum, this one's not so much for you, but you can always do extra little things like, you know, taking the stairs, parking further away, all that kind of stuff. And another thing as well is I have this client so much in that the days that they work, they will like smash out 15,000 steps, 12,000 steps, all that kind of stuff. And then it gets their days off and they'll do like a thousand. So if that's you, if at the weekend you're not doing very many steps or there's certain days of your day off where you don't do them, that's your opportunity to get more in at that point. Don't just do, and I know I do say steps often as look at it, add them up. And it's not a day by day thing, look at the week as a whole. And it might be if you have five busy days, yeah, you're above 70,000 steps in a week. But if you're doing nothing Saturday and Sunday, you are leaving a huge gap there where you could be making progress. And I'm not saying get your 10,000 steps, even if you've got 5,000 steps on those days. And if you are someone who's only getting around 5,000 steps, if you are someone who's not exercising, I would say that's the first thing to try or one of the first things to try because not only is it gonna help your fat loss progress, but it's gonna help your overall health and well-being as well. Number four, unaware of portion sizes. Um, so things like quote unquote hidden calories, foods like when you cook with olive oil, for example, like a tablespoon of olive oil can add an extra like 150, 200 calories to your meal and that could be someone's almost their whole deficit for their day and um, things like peanut butter as well and I'm not one for like weighing out foods and things like that but one tablespoon of peanut butter could be like 150 two tablespoons could be almost 400 calories of peanut butter and it might not be you know you might just take stick the knife in the jar and spread on a ton but there's a very fine line between what's a reasonable amount that works within a deficit and what could literally consume your whole deficit and take you straight up to maintenance. And it's not to scare people around these types of foods and things, it's just something to be absolutely aware of. So to get around this, it's just foods that are a bit more calorie dense, such as um, fats, which are essential, so I'm not saying cut them out by any stretch of the imagination, but being mindful of quantities of things like oils, of things like nuts and nut butters and that's another common one that when people go into a dieting phase they you know they would usually snack on like chocolate like let's say like a like a bar of like a snickers bar or something and they decide to swap it for nuts because they think that's the healthier option and in actual fact your nuts are probably higher in calories than your snickers yes you're getting a lot of nutrients from them but in terms of your fat loss, that's not supporting you. And it's not the best thing to just snack on because it's probably not gonna make you feel very full either. 
So making sure that you are increasing portion sizes of things like veg in your meals as well. So vegetables are incredibly low in calories for the most part, but they're very high in volume. So you can have lots of them, which makes them very filling. And something I do with my clients who don't track on my fitness pal is just say, you know what, in one of your meals during the day, you're going to swap your usual carb source. So whereas you'd usually have like rice or potatoes, you're just going to swap that for like a ton of veg. And it's not because there's anything wrong with carbs. It's just an easy way to kind of cut down on the calories a little bit, but still feel full and satisfied from the meal. So just being a bit more in tune with the portion sizes and what foods are quite calorie dense that could be pushing you out of your deficit. Number five, we're halfway, diet fatigue. So this is a big one and this is one that I've noticed a lot with clients recently who were dieting kind of through the summer and as we're coming into winter, they're finding it really tough to adhere um, to the diet still. So this is essentially when you've been in a diet for a long time, perhaps you've had a lot of body fat to lose, perhaps you've been doing it in kind of a steady way, um, you will get to a point where it kind of feels like the same old because unfortunately dieting is a little bit boring. Like you will be a bit more limited in terms of your food choice. You will be making sure you tick the boxes with your steps, your exercises every day. It's not the most exciting thing to do in the world. Obviously the progress is exciting, but you will get to a time when you've just been, if you've been doing it for a while, it's just boredom. And this is kind of what separates those who make it work and those who don't really is can you commit when it gets a little bit tedious and unfortunately that is just how it is we can make things as exciting as possible in terms of you know including exercise that you enjoy making sure you do include foods that you love but after time and it's a lot of time and energy to focus when you're in a fat loss phase and um, i think especially so if you're not a particularly busy individual when you're busy, it's actually kind of easy, but if you have a little bit more time to think about things, it can be, it can get fatiguing being on a diet. So in this situation, you either need to really rethink your goal, like look, where am I at? Where do I need to be or where do I want to be by X period of time? And what do I need to do between now and then to get there? Or it's a case of actually, I'm just going to have a period at maintenance. Christmas is a good time to do it. Where I just don't really think about dieting and I instead focus on eating a little bit more intuitively so listening to my hunger cues but still ensuring I'm getting in protein ensuring I'm getting in vegetables just focus ultimately like we the aim is not to be in a diet forever guys the aim is to be in a diet for a period of time get to a point where you can maintain it and then from there just fluctuate either side if you wanted to lose a couple of pounds it means maybe just cutting out carbs from one of your meals for a few weeks. Like that's ideally the point we want to get to. So taking time out of a diet just now to focus on eating a bit more intuitively. And I guarantee you, you might find that once you've done that, actually you're quite happy sitting around there. But taking that time out and actually like, but telling yourself, this is what I'm going to do. Not just trying to diet and then eventually you end up maintenance because it's Christmas and you want to eat more. Like I said at the beginning, choose that decision make that decision I'm saying this month I'm going to eat a little bit more intuitively I'm still going to get nourish my body in the way that it needs with protein with vitamins with minerals with veg all that kind of stuff 
but I'm not gonna track on my fitness pal or I'm not gonna be actively looking for fat loss every week, every day, that kind of thing. Number six, and this one is alcohol. And oh, I sound like such a spoil sport, especially when everyone's got Christmas nights out at this time of year. And this is not coming from a place of me being like, mm, don't drink, because I also drink alcohol most weekends. Um, but ultimately, this does hold people back. Because as you say, Monday to Friday, when you're at work, it's easy to bring in food with you. You can stick to things. It's fine. At a weekend, when drink's not involved, yes, you might have a little bit more food than usual. Maybe you're a bit more relaxed. You don't move as much. Um, that could be a reason your diet goes off. But when alcohol is involved, it's not just the calories in the alcohol. Because a bottle of wine is about 600 calories, which is not the be-all and end-all. But it's the actions that come after the alcohol. Like, you're less likely to be able to tell when you're full. You're more likely to eat food on the way home. You're more likely to be starving the next day and overeat the next day and feel hungover and be reaching for things that you probably wouldn't if you weren't hungover. The impact it has on your sleep. And therefore, the next day, you're going to feel fatigued and tired. And even if you do your 10,000 steps, the chances are you won't have expended as much energy through movement because you'll be just less active and less emotive with your moves as you're talking and things like that and you won't notice that like you won't be aware of that but you will um and and maybe you had a session planned at the gym the next day and then you were too hungover so and I'm not saying don't drink I'm just saying if you're in a dieting phase and you're going to drink a opt for lower calorie versions b be really effing strict with yourself the next day and say, I'm not gonna allow myself, date like Saturday is when I'm going out, it's when I'm drinking, fine. I will allow myself to let my hair down a little bit and drink on that night. I'm not letting that bleed into day two. One day of it and that's it. It stops there. When I wake up the next morning, life as usual. Okay, so just don't let that bleed into day two and really hold yourself accountable to that. And easy to say now, when you wake up on a Sunday morning with a banging headache, it's not going to be as easy, but if you want to see progress, it's a sacrifice you've got to make. It's going to be tough, but just power through. Number seven is emotional regulation. So I've spoken about this on previous podcasts before, so we won't go into a huge spiel with this, but are you using food to numb emotions? Are you likely, more likely to eat when you're stressed, when you're sad, when you're lonely, when you're angry, all these kind of things. And it's not a case of stopping the eating, it's a case of you need to deal with your emotions better. And that looks like meditating, that looks like journaling, that looks like talking to people, that looks like being a little bit more present, taking mindful breaths, putting your hands on your chest, touching your skin, taking some deep breaths, you know, noting one thing that you can see, one thing you can hear, one thing you can smell, one thing you can touch, all those things take you back to the present moment, stop your mind racing and just heading straight for the fridge when you've managed to stick to your diet throughout the day and it gets to late at night when you're feeling a little bit sad and lonely and you're more likely to overeat then or on a weekend and things like that. So. As I said, I'm not going to go in massively to this because we've talked about it before, but regulating your emotions so that you're not using food as a coping mechanism 
is hugely important for the success of your diet. More, way more important than how many calories should I be eating and what foods should I, should I be eating. If you are entering a fat loss phase, and the reason that you are you have to enter, or you not have to, the reason you want to enter that fat loss phase is because you have a little bit more body fat than you wanted due to emotional eating. You don't need to be thinking about what calories I need to eat. You need to be thinking, okay, what can I do to stop me from using this as a coping mechanism? Because whether you track calories or not, that's still present and that's still gonna derail you at some point or another. Number eight it's actually just not been long enough. So you've been sticking to a diet, to a deficit for maybe two weeks, three weeks, and you're not seeing enough changes. Maybe you just need a bit more time. And this is, and that is the point where most people give up, is that they don't see immediate gratification for what they're doing, and they think, oh, well, fuck this, what's the point of me even trying? Nothing's happening. And this goes into as well, like, make sure you're obviously... <laughs> I hope people would know this by now, but make sure you're not just weighing yourself because that's not a good indicator of progress and fluctuates massively. So the worst thing, what breaks my heart is that people could have been sticking to a diet for three weeks. They could have lost body fat in that time, but because they doesn't show on the scales, they think, oh my God, this is not working. What a waste of time and give it up. When actually they've made progress, but they just don't realize it just because they're relying on the scales. So remember on doing other things like taking waist measurements, trying on bits of clothing, seeing if they feel any looser, see if they feel any different on your body, taking progress photos. And with progress photos, I get, oh, I get this all the time with my clients. Like I will look at their photos side by side and be like, amazing, look at these changes. And nine times out of 10, they will reply saying, Oh, I didn't think, I, I couldn't see anything, but now since you pointed it out, yeah, yeah, I guess I can see something. So yes, progress photos are great, but having like a second eye on those as well is really good because we are so, so hypercritical of ourselves and we're kind of looking for the worst. So being patient and having multiple ways to measure your progress as well is key. Number nine, and this is for when you're getting late into the later stages of a dieting phase, is you're just generally more efficient. When you have lower levels of body fat, you require less energy. So for example, and this is just such a rough number plucked out of nowhere just to demonstrate a point. If at the beginning of your fat loss phase, you went for a two mile run, maybe you burn 250 calories, let's say. A few months into your fat loss phase and you've maybe lost, you know, five kilos or so, and you go out for a two mile run, might only burn 150 calories. A, because you're fitter, B, because you're leaner, and C, you probably get a better technique of running if you've been doing it fairly regularly. So, being aware that the lighter you get, the less energy you will expend in exercise or just in general day-to-day -day movement. So, and that means when you may have to adjust calories a little bit or you may have to increase your output, whether that's genuinely just like more steps, more exercise, or make sure in your training you're pushing yourself as hard as you were on that first week as well. 
So being aware that after, especially if you're losing a significant amount of body fat, you will become a lot more efficient in that time as well. And last but not least, and I left this one to last because I don't want everyone to suddenly run away with this because people use it all the time as, I'm gonna say it, an excuse, um, is your genetics. So let me go into this, let me go into this. There are certain gene variants that are linked to being more, you're more prone to being overweight or obese and that impacts you in terms of your leptin and your ghrelin and your ghrelin is the hormone that makes you feel hungry. So perhaps these genetic things can impact how hungry you feel and decrease leptin. Leptin tells your body or tells your brain that you feel full and satiated and that might dull those receptors. Um, especially if you're at a higher level of body fat. So there's a gene called FTO and it's linked to impacting these two hormones, ghrelin and leptin. So someone who struggles with weight might experience these kind of hormonal changes at a level of body fat that we would expect these hormones to because when you do have more body fat, these, these hormones are impacted anyway. However, in terms of the actual magnitude, if you were someone that had the FTO gene, the actual reality of what that would impact you is, if you have one copy of this kind of gene mutation, mutation sounds like a bad word, but it's not. <laughs> if you had one copy of it, on average, you would be about 1.5 kilograms heavier than an average person of your kind of age, height, that sort of thing. If you have two copies, you'll be on average three kilograms heavier. When I, 1.5, three, and three kilograms is not a lot. Like I fluctuate that, I fluctuate probably up to five kilograms over a year here and there. So that's a very small amount that even if you had that gene, it's not the reason that you, it's harder for you to lose body fat or it is the reason that you are overweight. It may predispose you, but it's not the reason. And furthermore, if you exercise, like if you regularly exercise, it completely takes away the influence of that gene. So if you were someone who didn't exercise and you had that gene, then yes, there is a small magnitude of impact in that you could weigh on average 1.5 kilograms heavier or maybe three kilograms heavier. But if you're someone who exercises, that completely takes away the influence of it because, you know, in terms of how your body responds to exercise is in a place where that gene has no hold on you. And a really interesting study as well was done in 2019 and basically it had a group of people and they told half of the group that they had quote-unquote good genes and told the other half of the group that they had bad genes. And these people in the group um, had, some of them had the bad genes and some of them had the good genes. So participants were given just like a standard meal and then they were asked to fill out a questionnaire about like their perceived hunger, so how, how they felt kind of after the meal. But they also took like a blood test as well to actually check where their ghrelin levels were and remember ghrelin's the hormone that makes you feel hungry. Um, so they are told 
that they have, you know, the bad genetic makeup for obesity. So they're told that we've done the blood tests, you have, you have this gene. Then they were given the same meal on like a different occasion and the same tests were done. And those who were told that they had the bad gene variants, whether or not they actually had it or not, actually perceived, um, their perceived hunger was higher and their physiological hunger was higher as well. So not only did they rate themselves as, I feel hungrier, they also, when they took the blood tests, the ghrelin levels were higher. So just even thinking that, oh, you know what, I'm just someone who's hungry all the time and it's, it's just because of my genetics will genuinely make you hungrier. And obviously this might, this is one study and it does question in like how accurate these tests were, but on a psychological level, these people assumed, oh, because that's me, I, I, that is just how I feel. So knowing whether you have it or not. So if you're someone who's sitting around thinking, oh, you know what, I think I might have this gene. I think that might be me. Knowing it or not is not beneficial at all. If anything, going by this study, if you knew for sure you had it, you it would probably make it psychologically more challenging for you because you would just be anticipating feeling hungry all the time. So that's why I put genetics last in that, yes, in some ways it could predispose you to it, but in other ways, there is absolutely no way that that should hold you back and that that would be the determining factor as to whether you are in a larger body or to whether you have the ability to lose body fat in that sense as well. So to run through everything we've gone through, one, your diet's too restrictive, two, You've underestimated the amount of you need to cut down to be in a deficit. Three, you aren't moving enough. Four, unaware of portion sizes or the caloric density of foods. Five, diet fatigue. Six, the impact of alcohol. Seven, your emotional regulation and using food as a coping mechanism. Eight, it's just not been long enough or, and or you're not measuring your progress in enough ways. Nine, your efficiency, you've lost a lot of weight and you're more efficient. And 10, a bit, hmm, maybe genetics could play some small role in it. So I hope that was useful and insightful for everyone. And um, whether this relates to you or not, or whether it could help someone else out, please share it with everyone that you know. <laughs> maybe not everyone you know. Share with anyone who you find, think would find this useful. Perhaps you have a friend who you spoke to who's really struggling recently with their fat loss and you know what, they could hear one of these tips and think, oh my God, yeah, that's where, that's where I'm slipping up and addressing that might get them right back on track. So I will catch everyone next week. I hope you enjoy the first weekend of December if everyone's got Christmas parties and all that kind of fun stuff and let's just hope and pray that COVID doesn't ruin it all for us and everything's going to be a lovely festive time. Thanks for listening.